Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word. And that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, And on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show, and I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Welcome. Today, we're going to take it in with John 17, 17, using my step-by-step Bible study method. And you'll find links to a study sheet as well as the videos for the step-by-step masterclass in today's show notes if you'd like to learn more. John 17, 17 in the ESV says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. A little look at the overview, an overview of the gospel of John. And this is from the Passion Translation information, also from Bible Knowledge Commentary, also Enduring Word. If you're interested, all the resources I use for the episode are in today's show notes. But a book overview, the the book is written by the Apostle John. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the book of Revelation in the New Testament. He was one of the sons of a fisherman named Zebedee. He was a man who was a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. He had seen the miracles of Jesus firsthand, heard the anointed words of Jesus firsthand. He'd walked with Jesus, followed him wholeheartedly. He describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved, which I just love that. Like I read in a different commentary. Can we plug that in for ourselves? Can we say, I am the one that Jesus loves? Not because he doesn't love her, not because he doesn't love him. I'm just saying that I know I am the one that Jesus loves. Mm, I just love how that feels. So John was writing to um, scattered Jewish Jewish people and other believers. The date has just a little bit of um, not debate, but just a little bit, maybe different opinions about when it was written. Some say AD 80 to 85. Some commentators put it earlier, possibly 50 to 55 AD. It is an ancient historical biography. That's the type of literature it is. And the major themes in the book are the person and work of Jesus, salvation, the Holy Spirit, and the end of the age. So chapter 17, where we're going to camp out today, is uh, Jesus's great prayer. And the first part is Jesus praying concerning himself, and then it moves into Jesus praying concerning the disciples. And I loved this, that the the enduring word said, it says, having taught and encouraged the disciples as much as he could on the eve of their despair, Jesus now did the great thing. He committed them to the Father in prayer. Isn't that the way it gets with us sometimes? Having taught and encouraged as much as he could, having done all that he could, having exhausted his options, having served served to the very best of his ability. Now he did the only thing left to do. And that was release them, right? That was release them to the father in prayer. It makes me emotional because I think of my own kids where sometimes, um, you know, you just know that you've done everything you can. You've had the conversations. You have loved them. You've tried to model for them. Um, you've sat with them. You've prayed with them. You've encouraged them. You've instructed them. And now, you have to let it go. 
you have to let them do it themselves. And so the only thing to do then is just to continue to cover them with prayer. Um, that, that, that brings up something in me today as I'm, as I'm talking to you. Okay. So in this second part where Jesus is praying concerning the disciples in verses six to eight, uh, Jesus is speaking of his mission among the disciples and their reception of it. Then he directs his prayer. Then Jesus has this first, he issues a first request for the disciples. He says, father, keep them. Then he elaborates on that request. Keep them in my joy and away from the evil one. Then in verses 17 to 19, where we're going to hang out today, it's Jesus's second request for the disciples and it is sanctify them. So again, the, the verse of scripture, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, let me tell you, it was so tempting for me to choose the word sanctify. That seems almost like the obvious one today. However, the Lord led me in a different direction. And so step one is choose our word and our word for today, as complicated as this could be, our word is word. Now, the English definition means a command, a password, or a signal, or it means the account of the truth, especially when it differs from that of another person. The opposite is concealment denial, to question, to silence, to suppress, to be vague, to be ignorant. Step two of the step-by-step method is to investigate. We divide that up into four parts. And part one is to compare this word in other translations. In the King James, it used the word word, but it capitalized it. So sometimes you'll see word when it's talking about the word of God in a small W and sometimes capital. Same thing with the Bible. Sometimes you'll see a small B. Sometimes you'll see a capital B. I tend to use the capitals because for me, it's like a replacement of God, like a, a proper pronoun or a proper name. Is that is that the right for my English peoples? Am I saying that correctly? But, um, but so sometimes, so the King James used word, capital W. The ERV used teaching. And the voice, I want to read this, just the whole scripture to you, because it's just beautiful. So the verse in the voice says this, immerse them in the truth, the truth your voice speaks. I want to share a couple of cross-references with you, because I just loved them. Now, this is, now that we're in the New Testament, so our word is Greek. And so this is actually using the Hebrew word for word, because these cross-references come out of the Old Testament, but it is the, the same word in the Hebrew that we're talking about in the Greek. I hope that makes sense. Isn't too confusing. Okay. So Psalm, all these are in the ESV. Psalm 119, 142 says your righteousness is righteous forever. And your law is true. First Kings 17, 24. I love this one. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. I cannot imagine a higher compliment than what this woman paid Elijah, because what she is saying, I think, well, this is what I hear. This is what I hear her saying. You, it is evident. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You are a person of God. And the words that come out of your mouth, the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Do people believe that our words are truth? Are we able, because of our life, because of what our life is showing, our dedication our belief in, our trust in the almighty God, because of that, do they believe what we say, even when we say what we say doesn't make sense to them? Even if we're talking about things they can't understand, they can't touch, they can't see, but do they believe it as truth? Because they know that we are dedicated to honoring and serving the Lord to the best of our abilities. Oh, that's good. Second Samuel 7, 28 says, and now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. 
part two in the investigate step is to research the original word. Now we're going back into the Greek. The strongest number is G3056, and the word is logos. It's something said, including the thought. It is by implication, a topic or a subject. It's also the reasoning, the mental faculty or motive. It's a computation. Specifically in John, it is the divine expression. And it's from G3004, which is a primary verb, and it means to lay forth, to lay forth. The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament uses these words as similar words to word, collection, accounting, a reckoning, a calculation, an account, a review, an evaluation, a reflection, a narrative. So your collection is truth, right? Your reckoning, your calculation, your account, like what God is saying happened, happened. Who God is saying he is, he is. Who God is saying we are, we are. What God is saying is truth. God's collection, God's account, God's reflection, God's narrative is truth. Part three of the investigate step is to read commentary. Here are a couple of things from the enduring word. It says the dynamic behind sanctification is truth. It is the word of God read, heard, understood, and applied. And here's just a little like, question for us to ask ourselves do we know the word here's the thing maybe we believe the word is truth maybe we would say oh yes god's word is true but if we don't know the word then we don't know the true right we have to know the word and know what god says in his word we have to know his account his narrative his collection his description in order to know what's true And we got to know it for ourselves. That's one of the reasons we do these short little episodes, right? That's one of the reasons the step-by-step method is so important to me because it's just a way. It's not the only way. I wouldn't even say it's the best way. It is a way to get into the Bible and know what's in there for ourselves. I'm all for Bible teachers. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm all for Bible teachers. They're, They're good for us to have. And I have learned so much from other men and women who are students of the word, But friends, we've got to be able to get in there ourselves and know what the word says and apply it, be able to apply it to our own individual unique circumstances and situations. No one else can do that for us. That is between us and the Holy Spirit. And so how do we know his word? That way we know the truth. The enduring word goes on to say, the operation of truth upon the mind is to separate a man from the world unto the service of God. The truth is actually going to pull us away from what we see. And we're going to have this knowing deep in our heart that no one, like we can't be shaken there. We can't be knocked over there because we're like, listen, I got into the word. I got to know the author of the word. And this is what is true. And you can't, you can't touch me there. I just know it's like with our identity in Christ. Like I know that I am a beloved daughter of the most high King. And so whatever happens to me, It doesn't get to touch that. Whatever lie the enemy throws at me, whatever situation the world throws at me, it cannot knock me over on the truth that I am who God says I am. Part four of the investigate step is to attempt to rewrite the verse. So we just kind of try to do that in our own words based on what we've been studying. And so 
my rewrite, here's the verse again, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And my rewrite goes like this. Make me a disciple of Jesus Christ, more holy and more like you, Lord. Do that through helping me know and believe and live by your promises and your precepts. Make me a disciple of Jesus Christ, more holy and like you, Lord. Do that through helping me know and believe and live by your promises and precepts. Step three in the method is to find the character of God. For step three and step four, you'll find prompts in that study sheet if you're interested in in learning more about how I do that. One of the things I wrote down about God is that he is true, right? He is true. The enemy is the father of lies, but God is the opposite of evil. More than opposite, God is absent of any evil. What he says, I believe because everything he says is true. And I go back to that lovely convicting, comforting section of chapters, section of scripture. It's in Mark nine. I don't, I can't give you the exact address, but it's in Mark nine, right? Where um, the man says, uh, Jesus asks the man, do you believe? And he says, I believe help me in my unbelief. Because even when we know what's true, we will have doubts. We will have struggles. Things will come up that just don't make any sense. And we'll wonder and we'll waver. But if we know what is true, we can go back to that truth. And we can claim that truth and we can live by that truth, even when we're struggling to see how that is true in our individual circumstances. The other thing that I wrote down about God's character in this is that he lifts my head. When the flaming arrows of lies come toward me, and they will, they do, I can hold up his truth to them like a shield of faith, right? Ephesians 6, I can hold up his truth to them and remember to align my thinking with who he says he is and who he says I am in him. And that is when I have peace, when I agree fully with who he says he is and who he says I am in him. So step four is to identify the lie. And we have identified the lie of the enemy so that we can just really be self-aware of the temptation to not believe the truth, right? To not believe that his word is truth. And here's the lie that I wrote down that for me can be a stumbling block. It might've been true then. It might've been true for others, but what God says isn't true today for you in this, whatever this is, right? Like maybe this is the one thing that has the asterisk by it. Maybe you're the one person that has the asterisk by it. Maybe whoever calls upon him will not be turned away, John 6, 37, right? Except for you, because you have the asterisk. Or maybe he will never leave you nor forsake you, John Joshua 1, 5, except for in this asterisk, right? He probably will. It's a lie that the enemy tempts us with, but sometimes just saying it out loud, friend, just saying, I think this is what I'm believing right now. And when we say it out loud, when we say it to a trusted friend, this is the lie I'm believing, it loses so much power. And we open our heart to the possibility of God reminding us of the truth that can cover that lie. Okay, so as we finish up, step five is called So What, where we just write down a takeaway. And here's what I wrote down today. Stay in the word so I can know the truth. That's that's it, right? Like I, I wrote some more, but it's stay in the word so I can know the truth. Stay in the word so I can remember the truth. Become familiar with what living outside of truth feels like. Recognize his call to come back to the truth. When I know what my what I feel like when I'm believing something or when I'm looking for something outside of truth, aka anxiety, right? When that anxiety rises, how do I recognize that in myself? And then remember what I know and run back to the truth. 
Oh, do you have a takeaway today? If you do, I'd love to hear it. You can email me at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe or follow the show on whatever directory you're using to listen. It helps it helps the show so much. And it also guarantees that you'll see all the episodes and you won't miss anything. You know what? And sometimes I, if, it, if you get behind, it doesn't matter. That's the beautiful thing about podcasts, right? Maybe you have a chance, maybe when you're walking the dog, maybe when you're on a little car trip or you're driving around running errands, it's just a great thing that you can uh, listen to. And they're just always there for you when you need uh, maybe just a little bit of a reminder how much you are loved by God. So I encourage you to tune in on Wednesday this week for the Live It Out episode. My guest is going to be Tess Scott. And Tess, she's funny. She calls herself a black sheep turned Jesus girl. And she's going to be with us to talk about finding and claiming and then refining and reclaiming our identity in Christ and in Christ alone. Her time with us will be, as I said, the live it out on our verse from today, John 17, 17. Friend, thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you're walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.